0: Hi, I'm Meredith Roden, and I'm the host of the Hatchets weekly podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It, covering the happenings around Foggy Bottom and GW's campus. On Getting to the Bottom of It this week, I'm here with administration editor Zach Schoenfeld uh, to talk about an office that doesn't really get a lot of attention. It's pretty private. These are people who are fundraising for GW, kind of behind the scenes, calling people to raise money, uh, trying to contact businesses to get money for GW, Uh, the the Division of Development and Alumni Relations. Um, And Zach has a story about what's going on in that office. Zach, can you tell us what's going on?
1: Yeah, so according to both the GW Jobs website as well as some auxiliary higher education job postings, the Division of Development and Alumni Relations has at least 14 different vacant positions. Uh, we don't know exactly how many they're currently employing. We did ask that, but officials declined to comment on that. But we do know that all of these 14 vacant positions, officials told us that these are active, uh, ongoing searches. Uh,
0: Can you give me some examples of what the positions are? Like, what are these people
1: supposed to be doing? Yeah, so it includes includes a lot of different people across the division. It includes people uh, specific to fundraising efforts in schools, so we know that there are vacancies in positions in the School of Engineering and Applied Sciences, the Elliott School of International Affairs, as well as the School of Business, but it also includes Uh, It also includes an official that fundraises for the athletics department. Uh, It includes the director of planned giving, um, who specifically works on gifts that come out of wills and trusts and things like that, as well as the executive director of annual giving. Uh, And then finally, it also includes uh, the associate director uh, of development for family philanthropy.
0: And the university is a big employer, it has a lot of people working for it in different departments. Why is this particular office so important that people are missing from it?
1: Yeah, so since University President Thomas LeBlanc arrived at GW just over two years ago, He established five strategic initiatives, and one of those is philanthropy and constituent engagement. So we've seen a lot of activity both from top administrators, not even within the division, of improving GW's fundraising. Uh, We've seen that both from the president himself as well as a board of trustees task force uh, specifically focused on alumni engagement and volunteerism.
0: And so... During this time and for the last several years, GW's alumni giving rate has been very low compared to its peers. So were you able to find any links between kind of these vacancies and, and so, that?
1: Yes and no. There have been some areas in which there are vacancies which we've seen some success in the fundraising side. So to give you an example, family philanthropy, they have a vacancy there, but family donations we learned this, this past fiscal year, they hit the highest level in recent memory. They raised $15.7 million from families. But we've seen from other areas overall, um, you know, we've seen a low alumni giving rate as you mentioned compared to some of our peers. But that being said, there's also the total dollar amount that officials are fundraising. This past year was the third best year that they've ever seen. So what we're seeing overall, the trends within the development office is that they are tend to be doing very well on the total dollar amount of fundraising, but the number of alumni that are donating to the university has declined, um, which we can, uh, is also according to experts, they've told us that that is a trend that's not just specific to GW, but one that's actually being seen across many universities.
0: And so when you approached officials with, when you approached officials with this number and with your kind of observations here,
1: what was their response? So when we when we inquired with officials about the vacancies, they confirmed that they are active searches going on. Uh, they declined to tell us what strategies they're employing to attract applicants to all of these positions, uh, but they did say that the existing staff uh, are still focused on engaging all of these alumni and trying to get uh, the most philanthropic funding that they can.
0: So they weren't able to tell you what they're doing to make sure these these positions get filled.
1: All we know is that there are active ongoing searches. We don't have any more information.
0: Well, thank you so much for keeping an eye on this, Zach. This is not something that gets a lot of attention. So thanks for talking to us today. Thanks for having me. I'm here with Jared Gans, the academics editor. And we're going to be talking about a new seminar series that the history department is putting on. Jared, how did you hear about this?
2: So, the History Department held the first of a series of interdisciplinary seminars earlier this month. And the idea is to bring people of different backgrounds together to have discussions about inequality and all the ways that it manifests itself in society.
0: So, are these seminar series, are they mostly just professors talking or are they bringing in outside guests as well?
2: Right, so the, the series is for both faculty at this university, as well as outside academics, outside of GW. But anybody within or outside of the GW community is welcome to attend.
0: So what is the interdisciplinary aspect of this? How are they making this interdisciplinary?
2: Right, so with the first uh, seminar, which was held on November 1st, a sociology professor from Johns Hopkins University was brought in to talk about the Mexican government's attempt to address inequality in the 1970s. And what the history department is trying to accomplish with this seminar is to open up people's minds to realize that there are many different ways to look at inequality other than just a purely historical approach.
0: And when you talk to some of the professors who are behind the seminar, what did they tell you was their inspiration behind this?
2: Trevor Jackson, who is an assistant professor of history who was the one who first proposed the idea behind the seminar said that he has a background in interdisciplinary work as an economic historian. And he saw the seminar series as a good opportunity to look into inequality since he said that there is no department at GW that currently focuses its studies on that topic.
0: Have they done seminar series like this before? Does the History Department do similar things to this?
2: The History Department does have seminar series, but this is different than some of the other seminar series the History Department currently has, in that they received funding from the University Seminar Funding Program, and Katrin Schulteis, who is the Chair of the History Department, said that they have not received funding from this program for a seminar in at least five years.
0: Wow, what does the History Department hope can come out of this seminar series?
2: Trevor Jackson said he hopes the seminar series continues in the future, and that if it does continue, it can be the beginning of a foundation for research on inequality at GW, where he says there isn't currently a lot of research on that topic. Well,
0: thank you so much, Jared. Thank you, Kathy. I'm here with culture editor Sydney Lee to talk about a new museum that's opening. Sydney, what do we know so far?
3: Well, the new museum is called Planet Word, and it's all about words and language and global communication and it's just set its opening date for May 31st this spring.
0: It seems pretty difficult to make a museum about words when you're literally trying to visualize different concepts, so how have they done that and what are some of the exhibits that they offer?
3: Yeah, well, it's an interactive museum, so some displays are voice activated and others are just visual. But they have exhibits from like joke telling displays, so you can tell jokes um, with a partner and you kind of like battle um, to see who makes the other one laugh first. Um, Then they also have things like karaoke exhibits where you can learn about like songwriting, and as you sing, you learn what makes a song catchy or like unforgettable. Um, Other exhibits are a 22-foot high wall of three-dimensional words that respond um, with the origins of the language when you say the word.
0: And when you talked to the executive director of the museum, what did she say she was most excited about for the museum opening?
3: Well, she was talking about how it's really cool that it's located in the Franklin School and there's just so much history with that old building. So they're really excited to open up this free museum all about basically education in what was an old school building.
0: And when did they start working on this project? How long has this been in the works?
3: Well, the founder and CEO of the museum, Ann Friedman, started working on it in 2013. That's when the idea first came to life but they've been in the works, uh, like, building it since 2017.
0: And where is the money coming from this? Is this someone, is this a museum creator that we already know and recognize?
3: The museum is funded
0: by a bunch of donors, including Bloomberg Philanthropies,
3: Planet um, Word, board member, and donors also funding it, and the
0: Poetry Foundation. And why did they decide to make it a free museum as opposed to, you know, something like the International Spy Museum? Yeah, so in a place where
3: it's all about education and just connecting communities through language, they really wanted it to be accessible to anyone who wants to pop in and just learn more. Well, thank you so much,
0: Sydney, for talking to us today. Of course, thank you for having me. That's all for this week. Getting to the Bottom of It is hosted by Meredith Roden and features culture editor Sydney Lee. This podcast is produced by producer Jacob Folvag, assistant photo editor Ariel Bader, and podcast host Meredith Roden. Music is produced by Old Studio. A special thanks this week to Zach Schoenfeld and Jared Gans for joining us.